Welcome into another edition of 30 Rack of Sports. We are here for our second week of 30 Rack Oktoberfest as we roll into September and are just one week away from the start of the NFL season in the state of Ohio. I, of course, am the talent. I'm Greg. I run the ship, whether it's forward or into the ground. <laughs> These gentlemen on either side of me know that very well. Of course, on my right is a guy whose takes are about as formed as the 2020 Ohio State schedule right now. <laughs> it's Zach. Zach, how we doing? Uh, was doing good till you brought that up. Not so good now. Good. Like to like to get him, him going at the beginning yeah. of these shows. And to my left, our producer, the guy who edits out all of our shenanigans and whatnot. It's a guy whose takes have just as many holes as the Bengals' offensive line. It's Josh. Josh, how are we doing today? Burn, baby. <laughs> I'm so ready for this season to get started, man. I We will win more than two games. Promise oh. You, you were on the record it. last I, night as seven wins. Seven wins. Seven sure. wins. Sure. Over one season? Sure. <laughs> you don't even have the preseason to get a few of those wins in there. Yeah, we do have two Browns games, though, so. Oh, it's getting feisty. <clears throat> what, two weeks till you have to drink another 40? That's going to be rough for him. We'll oh, see. yeah, we got a we'll 40 see. bet. Oh. We'll, see. we'll see. I'm ready for it. I'm ready for it. Are you, though? Yeah, I'm ready, ready man. For the 40. We're yeah. one, one week away from football. You're going to have to drink ready. another 40. I had to watch. I had to watch. What did we watch yesterday? <laughs> Army, uh, Middle Tennessee State. Um, Marshall and... Eastern Kentucky. E- yeah. SMU. Game was on, too. SMU, Texas uh, State. That game was okay, Memphis, actually. Arkansas State. Memphis did not cover. That was uh, sad. Well, yeah. <laughs> that was a bummer for you, but those first two games are... I'm just ready for real football. Yeah, right. real football. NFL it. comes back Thursday, and in a few weeks... Some of the conferences get things started in college football, as we'll discuss later, along with, of course, the NFL starting. What do we think the Browns and the Bengals are going to do week one? Um, our beer of the week from Columbus. We're going to be talking a little bit of trade deadline in the MLB, and we're bringing back our worst of the week. So sit back, relax, and if you're not driving, of course, crack open a nice beer and have a good time. Great. Saturday was cutdown day in the NFL with both the Browns and the Bengals cutting their roster to 53 ahead of week one on Sunday. Very few surprises in Cincinnati during cut day with the biggest questions surrounding potential future moves that the club may make once they uh, send Trey Wayne, uh, cornerback Trey Waynes onto injury designation. Potential additions could be at tight end where they only have three roster spots right now, or QB as Ryan Finley is currently the only backup on the roster. Brown's surprises were morally in the uh, defensive backfield as highly touted undrafted free agent A.J. Green and 2019 seventh rounder and camp standout Donovan Alumba were the cut date casualties, although A.J. Green has been re-signed to the Browns practice squad and extended practice squad this year. Uh, trade deadline day, so another big deadline day, was on Monday with both teams in Ohio making some moves. Biggest move was in Northeast Ohio as the Indians shipped Mike Clevenger, outfield Greg Allen, and a player to be named later to the Padres for a solid package that included six players and three of the top 12 prospects in the Padres organization. The Reds also made a couple trades for outfielder Brian Goodwin from the Angels, as well as relief pitcher Archie Bradley from Arizona in an attempt to try to solidify that bullpen. And finally, tonight for us, probably last night as you're watching, is the Hell is Real Derby in Columbus, the third of the season between the crew and FCC. So far in this series, in the MLS's back tournament in Orlando, the crew took down FCC 4-0, followed by a scoreless second matchup in Cincinnati. Both teams will have one game left after this, in phase two of the MLS season plan. And those are your OH headlines. With Greg. Thank you. Oh, beer of the week. That's awesome. Yeah, how do you do that? That's cool. Our beer of the week for this week comes in from Columbus, Ohio at Columbus. Brewing with their original. 
best beer October style lager. Hey, you know what? You might as well tell people where you're from. Zach. I mean, it's fair. Guys, taking your first sips of the beer. What are we thinking? Got a nice gold color to it. It's malty. It's very malty. Smooth finish. Yeah, yeah. it's probably uh, what we we did. Uh, Mad Trees Ziegler last week, and then yeah. this one, also a fest beer. Um, this one's yeah, got a little bit more malty flavor to it. Yeah, not as malt. sweet as not it was sweet, last yeah. week. Yeah, a little bit thin compared to the other one, but definitely the heavy malty taste. If you like that multi beer taste uh, as i as i very much do oh uh, yeah 5.3 percent uh columbus actually has a lot of um columbus brewing has a lot of traditional german beers up there um and then they've also got a lot of experimental stuff they've also got this ale ales for als right now um it's like a hot blended ale and a dollar from every pint goes to als research so What's yeah, a hot that's cool blended ale? hot blended hop Hop, hop. Oh, I thought you said hot. I yeah, did think like, that it, too. They but. serve it to you in like a thermos. <laughs> hot, <laughs> hot blended beer. Imagine like a hot. warm beer that like you could replace instead of like hot chocolate at like a December football game. That'd be great. I mean, it'd be bad news for everybody drinking it. There we go. There's there our we, beer. That's our signature. That's our great. That's yeah, our, yeah, that's our idea. Cut the show. We're done here. We're all <laughs> it's of our, the Grogamaller. If you want a Grogamaller, come pick it up. I like that. But no, uh, this is great beer. Yeah, and if yeah. you're Oktoberfest, another good one. Columbus Brewing, it is uh, just west of the city. I think right now, you know, closed with all the COVID stuff, but still getting their beer out there all over the place. But just west of the city on Harrison Road. So if you're interested, if you're up in the Columbus area, you're looking for a, a nice brew and I guess a beer to support ALS, always good. Oh, support ALS, ALS research. research. Ooh. Um, <laughs> uh, Check it out. Uh, certainly a great beer. Um, you know, very on style and a nice, smooth, multi taste. And it's got a, the lovely amber color in there, too. Moving into our next segment, which we call Who You Got? Week one game for the Cleveland Browns. Browns are eight point underdogs to the Ravens. Uh, 48 and a half is the over under. Uh, just a few stats. The Browns have not won a season opener since 2004, but that was against Baltimore. Uh, Last season, the uh, Ravens and the Browns split. The Browns won 40-25 to in Baltimore Week 4, and then the Ravens came to Cleveland and won 31-15 in Week, week 16. The Browns are a combined 1-19-1 in season openers since returning to Cleveland in 1999. Zach, we'll start with you. Browns, Ravens, who you got? This is in Baltimore, right? In Baltimore. I have to go Baltimore. Um, You're gonna Baltimore, Baltimore minus eight. You're gonna take yeah. I'm taking. Okay. Oh, are we doing we we, we doing the spreads? Or yeah. Are we just well, doing straight you, up. Yeah, doing doing. You can do the spreads. Okay. I guess yeah. Well, yeah. I'll take the spread. All right, Baltimore minus eight. Josh, who you got in this game? Uh, I'm taking Baltimore here. Um, Cleveland is just I think gonna not that they can't be good, but I think right now they're a little too beat up in all the wrong places for Baltimore. Is, is Greedy Williams? Going to be back. They said they day to day. He's played some, Still so questionable. Yeah, probably questionable. So um, Treader's also out. Um, if they can get one of those guys back, I don't think Treader's coming back. But maybe if Williams plays. But otherwise, I think they're hurting all the wrong places for a Baltimore team that sounds to be more run and pass this year. So yeah, Baltimore also missing some parts of the back end of their defense. Being this is Earl true. Thomas just <laughs> that, getting yeah. told to leave after <laughs> that, all of his shenanigans. That guy's insane. A little bit. Um, Speaking of insane picks, uh, as we mentioned last year, the Ravens were on fire, kicking the crap out of teams week one, two, and three. Cleveland came to town, didn't expect anything. Cleveland ran right through him, 140 to 25. As we mentioned, Browns have not won a season opener since 2004, won 19 and one in openers since their return in 1999. But in the beginning of the season, against Baltimore, for whatever reason, who they split against for the last two years, they find a way to get it done. I am going Browns money line plus two ninety. Cleveland starts off the year one and zero because right. it's time to get my hopes up a little bit just so they can come crashing down. Guys. <laughs> uh, I mean, hey, not a bad pick. Uh, yeah, I don't know. This is the day. thing. Week one's a crapshoot. Yeah, teams are coming in blind. So especially no preseason, can't yeah, do no a whole lot of scouting, and that too. you Difficult. never know. Yeah. I mean, you know, almost triple your money, especially yeah. depending on how things get bet during this week. Yep. So, uh, moving on from, well, I guess technically that game's in Baltimore. 
into Cincinnati. Uh, the Bengals host the Chargers. Chargers are three-point favorites. The over-under is 44. Uh, Bengals' um, last win in their opener was just two years ago, 2018, versus the Colts. Um, last game versus the Chargers was in 2018. Chargers won 26-21, but have not won in Cincinnati in the regular season since 2006, but only two games since then. Although they did... Josh, as I'm sure I'm bringing up a good memory for you, yeah. they did beat the Bengals 27 to 10 in the wild card round in January of 14. Remember so that? good times. My uh, <laughs> Chargers minus three, uh, Bengals plus 155. If you want to take them straight up, Josh, who are you taking? Oh, I think you know who I'm taking, I Greg. Exactly. Uh, I'm taking that money line straight up on the Bengals for the reason we just talked about for the Browns, um, or you guys were talking about with the Browns is week one. You know, you've had no preseason. For the Chargers, they've been in L.A. on that time zone doing hard knocks and all of that, and now they have to come over on Eastern time for the first time, first game. Um, they're also banged up on defense, took a huge blow with Derwin James out. Um, that should allow Burrow an easier day with his full, healthy wide receiver core. Um, and then everyone says that there is a hole on the right line of the Bengals' offensive line. There is. Because of, of Bobby Hart. There um, is. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not denying that, but the Chargers also have a hole at left tackle with uh, Sam Tevy, and Sam Hubbard's going to have a field day with that. Going to make it a difficult day for Tyrod Taylor. I'm going Bengals money line. You realize that the Chargers actually have a better defensive end than Sam Hubbard, right? They have <laughs> A and Bosa. One, one of, is that one Joey? That's Joey. That's Joey. That's Joey. That's Joey. That's Joey. Uh, could that, be a messy game for both of those offenses. He's a man, man. Over to you. Uh, that, and I'll bring that up in a second here. But, uh, Zach, who are you taking in this Chargers-Bengals matchup? I'm riding with Tyrod and those boys. Ty God. Ty God. Yep. Uh, yeah, I think kind of the reverse. I, again, everybody's coming in blind, and I'm not not saying both, or Burrow won't be great, but uh, first game, first start, I don't know. No preseason starts, yeah. nothing to get your, your feet wet. And that was kind of my thought, too, is – Tyrod's at least a guy that's been there, has you know, played in game situations. And I know Burrow's played in some high-level situations, but you wonder getting up to speed the first time everything, you know, first time everything happens for you when you play. Yeah. You know, sometimes things go up and down. Obviously tougher to scout him in the offense because I've never seen it before. Um, I would lean Chargers here, but I think probably the best bet for this game, if I was a betting man, of course, <laughs> would be uh, under 44. Uh, as you mentioned, um, you know, Tyrod's not exactly a guy to chuck the ball down the field. Burrow, they might have, you know, a little bit of a limited offense, especially in game one. Uh, interesting to see, you know, especially because they have a quick turnaround against the Browns just a few days later. But uh, I expect this game to be low scoring, kind of a slog, you know, rely on some short passes for the Chargers, and then the Bengals will probably have to rely on, on mixing a lot. So I would take the Chargers, but I think the easiest bet would probably be the under of 44. Browns uh, Ravens at one o'clock on Sunday and uh, at four o'clock so you can watch both of them uh, Chargers come to town to face the Bengals let us know who is your best bet for this weekend is it Browns money line do you want to triple your money are you just hoping to take something good against the spread maybe rooting for some points maybe an over in the Sunday night game let us know on our social media at 30 rack of sports on Facebook Twitter and Instagram Transitioning from the football field to the baseball diamond, as we mentioned earlier, Monday was the trade deadline in the MLB, uh, both the Indians and the Reds making some moves. So we're going to get our post-deadline reactions, uh, especially from the Indians fan and the Reds fan on the podcast. So we'll start with the big trade, Zach, Ooh. the Indians Padres, the Indians shipping out Mike Clevenger. Outfielder Greg Allen and a player to be named later for uh, pitcher Cal Quantrill, outfielder Josh Naylor, uh, catcher Austin Hedges. All three are on the major league roster. And then three prospects, uh, left-handed pitcher Joey Cantillo, shortstop Gabriel Arias, and infielder Owen Miller. Um, Zach, there had been a lot of talk before that Clevenger might be on the block. Of course, he was part of that kind of uh, situation in Chicago, where Plesak got caught sneaking out and going out. Team flew back, and then it was found out later that Clevenger had uh, gone out. So there was definitely some uh, tension between him and some in the organization and some of his teammates. So he was sent out on trade deadline day for a trade that 
you expected to happen. What did you think of the haul the uh, Indians got back? Um, long term, I like the haul. Uh, they got some nice prospects. They continue uh, to build up the the farm system. You know, it's a very strong farm system. The Indians, I like, you know, with Ann and Eddie, Mike Chernoff, have made a concerted effort to look at everything from a now and future perspective um, to always kind of, the hope is to kind of build like that Cardinals, you know, for like 15 years with the Cardinals. It was just like maybe a down year here and there, but they just consistently had... Um, turning in new talent. Turning in new idea. talent, yeah. yeah, bringing new guys up. So from that perspective, I liked it. A lot of Indians fans, myself included, disappointed without an impact bat coming back, something they desperately need, especially in the outfield. Um, Josh Naylor, interesting. I don't know. Yeah, Quantrill not... and uh, Hedges has been around for a little while, but Quantrill yeah. and Naylor are, uh, you know, two just in their second year. Uh, both uh, came on during last year for the Padres, so some young, controllable pieces, you know, that are still trying to figure some things out at the, the yeah. level. Yeah, and the Naylor thing's kind of a little interesting. Uh, his brother, younger brother, Bo Naylor, is a catcher for the Indians as well, and he's been up and down a little bit, so that's kind of fun. But, um, yeah, you know, they stored up their bullpen again a little bit. Um, with uh, Shoot, what's the name? Um, I'm blanking. I apologize. This is uh, unprofessional. But, yeah, they added a nice little bullpen piece as well. But, yeah, um, long-term looks good right now. I, it's not really going to change much. Hedges is a nice, you know, we probably have the best – catching in baseball now defensively but he also cannot hit so yeah so i mean this goes into another kind of thought that i want to get your opinion on just the indians depth at starting pitching of course in the last you know i guess about year they Mm -hmm. have traded three all-star level pitchers in Corey kluber to the rangers in the offseason bauer to the reds last season and now mike clevenger but still have one of the strongest, you know, rotations in baseball. Um, McKenzie's come up, played pretty well. Obviously, yeah. Beaver's a Cy Young candidate. So how have the Indians just been able to keep things going with all these trades? Um, yeah, right there. That's just uh, player development right there uh, to just continue to turn these guys out. They're probably the best at being able to they've, – they've struggled a bit drafting. Obviously, Shane Beaver was drafted by the Indians, and, you know, they've had a few draft picks. But what they've – always been able to do is for some reason they can dig through other teams farm systems find these guys like Clevenger uh Corey Kluber you brought up who was with the Padres and pretty much stuck at double a they thought he was nothing and then he comes to Cleveland and they obviously turn him into a two-time Cy Young Award winner so I it's hard to pinpoint one thing uh I've looked into it it's it's they just have a great staff who's able to evaluate talent um also I want to note Quantrill that was his name Cal Quantrill. Yeah, Cal Quantrill. Uh, so, you know, that bulks up that bullpen, which has already been dominant. So, Well, and didn't the, didn't the Indians get Framiel Reyes from the Padres? They did. Yeah. yeah. I think it was part of the, the Kluber or the Bauer trade. Cause that was that yeah, that was that three-team yeah. trade. Yeah. So, yeah, they did get Framiel. So that's kind of the inside joke. Well, we did already get an impact back because Framiel's obviously come on. Yeah, so it's like you could – and, I mean, he wasn't – Will Myers. He wasn't, any, he wasn't anything, you know, right home about – when he came over and, you know, he's come into what he's been for the, the probably the only spark in the Cleveland Indians offense of at times this year. Consistently, yeah. I mean, he's hitting, he was starting 160, see, 163, 168 uh, through the first 12 games. And since then he's hitting like 336. Yeah, there were weeks he was um, hitting like above 400. Oh, so. yeah. He's been tremendous. And a guy who can do it all. He can hit for power, but is, you know, the his swing and his ability, he sprays the ball everywhere, which is where I think you've seen him make the adjustment, not trying to do too much. That's why I wouldn't have, like, reservations about taking a chance on some of these guys. No. With them coming over, especially, you know, you get club control of some of those guys. Yeah. Like I said, space. Josh Naylor's interesting. I don't think he projects anything spectacular, but we just need somebody to lock up one of those outfield spots. So if he can at least, you know, hit 270, a little pop. Well, yeah. the fact that you've traded away Kluber, Clevenger, yeah. Bauer, and you still have arguably one of the best rotations in the league. That's pretty impressive in itself. Oh, yeah. I mean, I'm not complaining. I trust the Indians. I'll give them the benefit of the doubt on any trade. All right. Well, from uh, one team looking for an impact bat in the outfield to, I guess, another team looking for somewhat of an impact bat, base dealer, something in the outfield. Something. Uh, One of the (laughs) trades the Reds made was with the Angels. Uh, They traded for outfielder Brian Goodwin, who – so far this year is hitting 231 with four homers and 17 RBIs. For him, they traded um, a player to be named 
later or cash along with number 12 prospect and probably all Reds name team in left-handed pitcher Packy Naughton. Packy Naughton. What a great Love name. Love that name. Uh, so uh, thoughts on the, the Goodwin move? And we'll get into you know this later. They did trade one of their outfielders, Josh Van Meter, in the Diamondbacks trade. But what are your thoughts on Goodwin? And what do you think about this move, Josh? Um, the player to be named was a very young uh, pitcher, 21 years old, Jose Salvador. Oh, pretty okay with that, you know, long ways off yeah. from the majors there. Um, but I, I, I think it's a good move, especially because there's a lot of uncertainty um, in the outfield, and that kind of wasn't expected this year for the Reds. Um, you know, everyone at the beginning of the year was like, oh, they've got – all these outfielders yeah. that can hit, and apparently only one of them can. <laughs> um, and then Nick Senzel's still out with some health issue. Um, so it gets you some depth there. It gets you another guy to take a chance on off the bench because, like I said with the Reds, at this point you have to identify which guy can get hot right now mm-hmm. and carry some momentum the rest of the way. Yeah, because, I mean, the they've had, you know, Castellanos has been hot and cold. Uh, Winker has, of course, been pretty good this year. Akiyama's been very up and down. As you mentioned, Senzel's been hurt. So Yeah, I, adding one more healthy guy to that mix, I, I think, does the Reds good. They didn't really have to give up a lot for it. I, it's it's a good trade, in my opinion. Yeah, so uh, moving from uh, one place of need to a place of probably even greater need for the Reds, uh, they traded for relief pitcher, uh, closer, Archie Bradley, who the Diamondbacks also sent back uh, $100,000 to help cover some of his salary. Uh, for outfielder Josh Van Meter, who was kind of you know platoon guy for the Reds, and outfielder Stuart Fairchild, who was ranked as high as uh, the number seven prospect in the Reds organization. Bradley had a 4.22 ERA in just over 10 uh, innings when he was traded. He's thrown almost three uh, complete shutout innings for the Reds, so ERA down to 3.38. What are you expecting to see out of Bradley? Do you think he takes over the closer role, or do you think it's just another another decent arm to throw out there because the Reds don't really have a whole lot of that in their bullpen right now, Josh? Um, right now, he's apparently not going to be in the closer role. I know that's his traditional role. At least it was with the Diamondbacks for the most part. Um, I'd like to see him in that role, but the Reds are committed to Rasel Iglesias. Um <laughs> Fairchild, or not Fairchild, uh, Bradley, excuse me, he did come in after uh, Sonny Gray's meltdown the other day. He pitched an inning in two-thirds, two strikeouts, uh, struck out his former teammate Paul Goldschmidt. Um, so I like, it's a great, like both of these trades I think are great trades, honestly, for the Reds. Yeah. You're not really giving up a lot. Fairchild might have been the number seven prospect, but he's kind of had his path blocked to getting anywhere. Um, same with Josh Van Meter. He had kind of run his course. I was going to ask, was he, because I remember a few years ago, he was, he was up there, right, with Sunzel and stuff, and did he, yeah, if yeah, I remember last, right? Last year, he he had a couple couple runs of uh, brilliance there, but uh, again, like... He just ran his course with the organization there. They yeah, pretty much you know, lost like faith not, in him. Yeah, not, not really that great this year. Yeah. Um, yeah, kind of surprised he's been up in the bigs as long as he has with the Reds this year. In the... Um, in 2020 so far, in 34 at-bats, he's hitting 059, so two for 34 with a homer. Oh, my God. Yeah. So, has not, uh, you know, last year had 260 plate appearances, hit just 237, um, you know, eight homers, 23 RBIs, 56 strikeouts, so, you know, more strikeouts than hits, uh, so certainly a guy that looked to be looked to have a lot of potential but it kind right. of flamed out a little bit Fairchild, so. uh very young 20 a 23 24 year old outfielder that the reds have an abundance of not just in the bigs but yeah in their farm systems as well so yeah neither of these trades I, you're really giving up a whole lot but you're gaining much needed depth where you needed it. Yeah. And both both the Reds and the Indians, if you go back to our show last week when we talked about what could these teams do. Yeah. And we both said like buy, but only buy if that like perfect deal comes along. And for both these teams, like you're not really giving up a whole lot. For the Indians for the Indians it might seem like a whole lot. Well, but you're getting you're getting the yeah. much needed depth that you needed. They got a lot back. Uh, you know, Greg Allen was expendable. Uh I 
they haven't announced who the player of a name later is, but that's probably a rookie ball OA guy. Um, generally is how those work out. Yeah, and Clevenger, he'd run his course. He obviously was the team was much more upset with him than even Plessick. Um and yeah, with Tristan McKenzie, I think was he came up and showed he's probably yeah. you know, he's might hit some bumps here, but he's he's ready. Um and they were obviously gonna bring Plesek back up. Yeah. He's expendable at that point. Yeah, so um I guess we'll ask you at home, uh, what do you think about both these trade deadlines? Do you think the um Reds and the Indians get A's? Do you think they totally messed it all up? Or are there any moves that you think should have been made? Maybe some more outfield hitting for the uh, Indians or maybe even more bullpen help for the Reds as the Indians, of course, sit in better shape to try to move to uh, the playoffs. But with the expanded playoffs, um, the Reds are not that far off. So let us know who you think had the better trade deadline, what else you think could have been done, and how you grade the trades at 30 Racket Sports on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And now, Zach reciting the cup. Fest beer. Our fest beer is inspired by the Oktoberfest beers of Germany. It is brewed with imported specialty malts to create a medium-bodied, malty amber lager with a smooth finish. Wow. That was very oh. nicely read. Thank there you. you go. Wow. Thank you. So, as we said, we're drinking Columbus Brewing Company's Fest beer. Do you fellows know the difference between a Marzen and a Fest beer? I, I don't think I do. Do not. So, um, according to the BJCP, who of course we all know, not just reading a random article, thank <laughs> you, uh, a Marzen is an elegantly multi-German amber lager with clean, rich, toasty, and bready malt flavored, restrained bitterness, and a dry finish that encourages another drink. I mean, you don't have to be any of that to encourage us for another drink. Oh, never. But a Fest beer is a little bit less intense and less richly toasted than a Mars. And you can kind of tell that, as you said, still has the very malt flavor, but yeah. a little bit lighter, maybe a little bit nicer if you're, you know, going actually out to an October, well, unfortunately, maybe not as much this year, but future years, you go out to an Oktoberfest, this is probably a better walking around beer than a Marzen, just because it's a little bit lighter yeah. Yeah. and a little bit more, you know, flavorful that you can just kind of drink down. It's not it's not like a heavy beer that you're going to have to just slog down. Right. We had a Marzen last week, yeah. right? There you go. Yeah. That, and that was a little, I, you could definitely tell it was oh, a little yeah. more toastier, a little heavier, a little heavier than heavier. this. And I get why they call it Fest beer, because, yeah, this is much mm. more, much more drinkable um, if you were out, if you're looking to get hammered, this is the one you're gonna yeah, want to go. Right. <laughs> if you're looking to walk around, slam about five of them in an yeah, fest. Exactly. Well, that's great. Well, thank you again to Columbus Brewing Company uh, for the Fest beer, their Oktoberfest style lager. And great even though most of these Oktoberfests are not going on, we still have our little Oktoberfest going on around here, and we encourage you to do the same. Never a bad time to have an Oktoberfest beer during. Oktoberfest. No, September. best time no. of the year. Uh, this is a good can, too. Last week we had the diamonds. This week we have, like uh, I guess, like the German lion with the crown on. Is that Krampus? Is that Krampus? Is that you're asking? Could be Krampus. I don't know. I think it's a lion. Yeah, I think it's, it's a very a uh, lion. Or a, I like it. It's a very... A the face is very almost like half human, half lion. That's that's how you'll be looking if uh, someone comes at you about Ohio State and five five deep on these. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, probably. All righty. Well, once again, thanks to Columbus Brewing Company. Uh, be sure to pick up your Oktoberfest beers. You know, I know it's September, which doesn't always make you think of Oktoberfest, but norm- traditionally this is when this is going down. So we've got some more Oktoberfests ready to go, and we encourage you to go out and buy one of your favorite Marzins or, or Fest beers and. Have a day. Listen to 30 Rack and have a day. What's brewing Ohio? This week, we've got a couple couple of tidbits from around the state. Uh, Bookhouse Brewing. They are uh, up in their Ohio City tap room. They're nice. putting out three, uh, three new cans. Celestial Map, the brewery's flagship IPA. It's returning in cans. Uh, they will donate one dollar to the Westside Catholic Center, a nonprofit that provides food, clothing, shelter, and other services to people in the community. Uh, they will also release Triple Whoops, a ten percent triple Whoops. hazy IPA. Uh, that uh, completing the trio, uh, Black is Beautiful. We've mentioned the Black is Beautiful stouts 
um, and that whole thing. Um, their version of that is also hitting cans. Um, sales from those cans will uh, be don profits from those will be donated to the Cleveland NAACP. Um, so you can have those beers at the tap room there or get them delivered at bookhouse.beer. You think they'll deliver down here? Maybe. Maybe. <laughs> I, I don't know. I can't, I can't advocate key, for I'll that. I'll tell you that. That's, yeah. uh, that's up in uh, Cleveland, Bookhouse Brewing. Ohio City, yeah. Down in Athens, Zach's neck of the woods. Yeah, baby. Uh, we, had, oh. we had Little Fish Brewing on the show a couple weeks ago uh, with a collaboration. Uh, they, are, they have released already the Green Bridge IPA. It's uh, Sounds good. named after this uh, famous swimming hole. In, in Athens, um, they say if you grew up in Athens in the '90s, that you know. But if you don't know, don't bother trying to Google it, because uh, I was way off then. My yeah, guess, yeah. yeah. I, I was thinking the Richland Avenue that, that goes in. up to Court Street. That's yeah, what I was assuming. This is but like some like Holy Grail water hole. Not that's my you parents. Have to be yeah, I don't know. In Athens, local to know of. But the Greenbridge IPA is now available. Um, you can have a Crowler shipped to you online at littlefishbrewing.com. Um, and then finally, down here in Dayton, uh, we have the grand opening of the very highly anticipated Warped Wing Barrel Room and Smokery. Dayton, that's that little city just near Centerville, right? It is, just yeah. North just north, just north of, Centerville. of Centerville. Slightly northeast, <laughs> depending on where you are uh, up there. <laughs> But uh, it's the best in the state, um, they say, for uh, a barrel-aging program. Um, it's got plenty of space in there. Uh, barrel-aged beers will occupy some of the 20 taps behind the bar there. Uh, so that is now opened, and it's added to the Ohio On Tap app for your passports, if you're one of the passport people out there. Oh, nice. Um, there's more stories and plenty of other cool stuff to be found at ohiocraftbeer.org or you can find them at ohiocraftbeer on social media and fellas that's what's brewing in ohio go get a craft beer so as we move through this oktoberfest this oktoberfest month on 30 rack of sports we are bringing back a segment from last week because everybody loves their bratwursts metwursts bockwursts all those kind of worsts but with every worst, there's the worst. And that's what we're paying attention to this week. Special Twitter edition of the Worst of the Worst, where we pick out something on Twitter, or, well, definitely this week, or something around the world in other weeks. What has been the worst thing that you've seen this week in sports? Josh, over to you. Um, well, I saw this thing on Twitter this week. Uh, Very it, descriptive. Thank and you. It, and it nearly made me hurl. Um, because uh, it was about Jay Cutler, who I thought we were we were done with. Um, we're never Freddy. done with smoking Jay Cutler. <laughs> Jay had an Instagram on Instagram. <laughs> uh, but there were there was a rumor flying around that uh, Fox Fox News contributor Tommy Laren um, was dating uh, Jay Cutler the after they were spotted together in Nashville. Um, both both the worst. Oh, they are. They're just terrible I people. I was just just like oh. Uh, oh. <laughs> Uh, how how that could be, I just don't know. But like I saw, I did see some great tweets about it. Uh, one from at Andrew underscore Lawrence. Tommy Laren claims she hates do nothing losers who earn a paycheck for not contributing, and now she's dating Jay Cutler. <laughs> so I thought that was good, That's and I good appreciated one. that. that um, but uh, that that whole thing, which I guess is not true. Now Jay uh, came out with a video basically saying this is the only lady in my life right now, and it was a picture of. A cow or something like yeah, that. Yeah, Tommy so. Laren also said it wasn't true in a very Tommy Laren angry, yell at you kind of way. I hate her. Um, hate her. Uh, but yeah, I, the, just the thought of that, I was yeah. like, oh. oh. Imagine the spawn. I mean, he's 37, she's 28. I not I, just that whole thing. That but whole he's complex. smoking Jay Cutler. He's I mean, smoking what do you, Jay what do you Cutler. Want? I guess I, the man's a nihilist, Donnie. A nihilist. <laughs> no. All right. Well, that was one of the worst things of the week. Zach, what do you have? Oh, I have something a little more. Uh, a little more serious than that. Uh, uh, ooh, oh, boy. So John Falk, who was the Charlotte Hornets play-by-play uh, -play announcer. Why is it was, Zach? <laughs> I'll tell you why it was, Greg. Uh, so during the uh, Jazz Nuggets game on, I guess that's August 17th, uh, he decided to tweet, um, shot making in this Jazz, what was supposed to be Nuggets game, is awesome. Well, 
Nuggets uh, <laughs> was replaced by a racial epithet that also starts with the N-word, or the letter N, I should say. Um, yeah, he has been fired, so that's why I would say was. A um, couple things on that one. Why? Why? Why are you tweeting about that again? Why, why, he said he was in a hurry because he needed to make it relevant. No one is following the Charlotte Hornets play-by-play guy on Twitter. Like, oh, man, I got to see what he What's he saying? Yeah, I got to yeah. know One, right now. Um, two, he said it was an autocorrect error, which anybody who's used an iPhone knows. They don't just pre-come in with it's predictive. that word. It's predictive, predictive, right? You've had to have your, typed yeah. that in there before. Um yeah, so just the worst. I mean, look, a lot of times I've I've accidentally sent texts that say, "What's going on with this ducking show?" Oh, and, yeah. You know, not mean to say ducking, but it usually uh, from certain words that uh, I guess iPhone it learns that they from should, you. Yeah, but that if you keep using it, they'll learn it. So yeah. if that word's in your iPhone for auto. Bad defense. Bad defense on his part. Terrible defense. Kind of sold himself down. Yeah, he did kind of sell himself I mean, like we're all stupid or something. I was like, eh, I don't know like, about that. Nobody else has an iPhone but me. Yeah, Everybody knows. <laughs> all right. Well, some interesting turns in the worst of the week. Um, mine, a little bit more lighthearted, but close to just as ridiculous. Um, so the NBA is uh, it's obviously still going on, but teams are starting to release their jerseys for next year. And for the team's statement jerseys, which they give them all weird names, basically their alternate jersey, their one alternate, um, they are putting the Jumpman logo on all of them because they're all made by Nike and a few teams like the Hornets that Michael Jordan owns, you know, have Jumpman on everything. So they decided to put Jumpman on all the jerseys. Well, in Ohio, the Cleveland Cavaliers tweeted Wednesday a minute-long video revealing their statement jerseys. Well, they wanted to focus on the fact that Michael Jordan was on it now. So they had a video talking about how Michael Jordan is the greatest of all time, having players who played with a certain other, you know, thought of to be the greatest player of all time, a certain LeBron James, some of his teammates uh, when he was here also calling him. Damn. Damn. So just a terrible look. Obviously, most Cavs fans, not a big fan of Michael Jordan because of the shot. Some shots also being taken at LeBron. You know, the Was native Elo in just, there? That just let me get there. We'll get there. <laughs> we'll get there. So there was that tweet. And, um, you know, obviously throwing some shade at LeBron since he's in that GOAT conversation for most people. And uh, really pumping up the MJ angle. Well, most people are not very happy with Michael Jordan because one of the Cavs' best teams in the 90s, there's the infamous shot over Craig Elo. So some replies were such as, this is like putting John Elway on a Browns jersey. I will never buy this jersey. Why did you do this to this jersey? I thought it was pretty funny. It is funny. But, but the most interesting part is I was like, wow, this is pretty tone deaf for a fan base that obviously had some issues, you know, a rival player breaking oh, their yeah. heart several times. The only thing that could have been worse is if they would have put the actual shot in that Twitter video. You scroll down about two tweets, and there's the video of the shot <laughs> tweeted by the Cavs. Oh, my Just God. Did they the really? Absolute, like, psycho thing. I don't know if it – the only way they could get out of this is if it was, like, a NBA the, I was, mandate. I was going to say, did the NBA mandate this? this uh, they like mandated a, the change of the jerseys. No, yeah, like, but did they mandate – All I see under it, because there was a picture, you know, in a tweet or two Are later. jerseys dope, by the way? They're the exact same jersey, they're, black yeah. jerseys as last year. Oh. Instead of Nike, they have the Jumpman logo on it. Wow, that's so they right. tweeted the, a picture of the jerseys like you know ten minutes later, and just all the replies were, "I'm never gonna buy this. I'm glad I got mine back last year. Take it off the jerseys." Just ridiculous that you would do that about a decently big rival of your team, someone that's broken your team's heart several times, sticking him on the jersey and then calling him the goat over one of Cleveland's favorite sons, LeBron. Yeah, James. it's it's really weird. Mm. It's almost like like tox like a toxic subtweet about your ex or something like that. They're still, still working through like they can't get over this loss or whatever. It's, like it's, it's just so bizarre. It's to me similar to like dropping a tater tot casserole in the oven as you're pulling it out. Like yeah, that you're bad trying to make this a... wonderful casserole. <laughs> Maybe you didn't want to eat tater tots, but you made it, and then you just flipped in half of it went into the oven and then you didn't even clean it up that night 
You guys are uh, <laughs> referencing my, my fumble last night. <laughs> Your fumble, my yeah. Fumble it was quite our the little fumble. get-together. It was epic. Um, but uh, it happens. It happens. At least Jer- you saved Jer- half of it. Yeah, Jeremy healed it right there. You did. <laughs> it happens. It happens. Sometimes things show up on autocorrect. Yep. Sometimes uh, you tweet about you tweet one of the most painful shots in franchise history. That's the most Sometimes you drop half a tater tot casserole. In the oven, but all we know is right (laughs) now the Cavs, Jay Cutler, that Charlotte announcer, and Josh are all the worst of the worst and the worst of the week. So now we move on to our second conversation where we're talking college football because college football is back. Kind, kinda. There you go. Kinda. Kinda. So, uh... First couple weeks of college football last week, just an FCS game. Uh, this weekend, few games, not exactly your big ticket games. I mean, SMU, Texas State, you know, Army, Middle Tennessee, stuff like that. So a few games out, <laughs> stuff like that. Few games out there. But uh, starts to get ratcheted up in a couple weeks, of course. Out of the eight FBS teams in Ohio, only one is currently slated to play this fall. That is the Cincinnati Bearcats. Uh, they have two out-of-conference games before their uh, eight-game conference slate. They play Austin P, who has already played. They beat uh, Central Arkansas in that uh, early game. And then Army, who beat down uh, Middle Tennessee State at home in three weeks. Uh, interestingly enough, last, er, uh, er, last weekend was the uh, first weekend of college game day, and Desmond Howard had picked UC as a potential dark horse for the college football playoff. So before we get talking into college football potentially coming back in other conferences, guys, the one school we can talk about playing a football season right now is the Cincinnati Bearcats. Josh, what are your expectations for this team? Uh, My expectations are very high for this team, Um, especially now that Desmond Howard is a predicted that don't roll your eyes uh, i'm gonna roll there. my just because no i i agree they should have my expectations but desmond howard is like the worst analyst in the world so uh, I, he, all right I do you want me to do this with you there you, you can't disagree with me on yeah that. he might got he might have just got this one right and that's fair mark but, may <sighs> lou holtz Ooh, i mean it's just because he's a michigan bad. guy and he no it's he not just because he's a michigan guy. he's terrible he's, he's terrible but anyway whatever sorry josh cincinnati was picked second uh in the preseason poll for the American Conference uh, behind UCF, um, and that's basically been the uh, MO and the preseason conference poll for the past couple years. Um, It was pretty narrow this year. UCF got 204 votes, uh, or 204 points. Cincinnati got 201. And they play in Orlando on November 21st. Yeah, and that's really going to be the big game, as will be uh, the Memphis game. Memphis, obviously, the defending champions for the conference. But uh, my expectations are high. I mean, you've got uh, what people are saying is one of the, some saying, the best defensive coordinator in college football right now, Marcus Freeman. Uh, Luke Fickle and most of the staff just got their contract extensions done. That's out of the way. You've got a lot of returning starters. Yeah, and um, especially, you know, a solid defense last year, lost a couple guys, but you get back James Wiggins, who was your best defender two years ago, yes. going off a torn ACL last year. 16 of 22 starters returning. Um, so uh, to build off of what you've done the past two seasons, especially last season with this group coming back, one of the best defenses in the country, I think. Oh, yeah. Um, I, You've got to roll over everyone, though. The Bearcats have had high expectations before, and then they they come out, you know, sluggish against teams that they really should. It's the not offense, come out though, right? Yeah, you know, you got to become. You know, the defense is what kept you in the right, games right. Last year, I'm the saying the offense is the question. Yeah, can they? I mean, the offense is the question. I think Desmond Ritter is my biggest question mark right now. Can Desmond Ritter step up, play complete games, play both? You know, actually pass the ball, yeah. move the ball down the field. A lot of the times last year, drives stalled out, and the Bearcats just got lucky off of a penalty or something. You know, you've got to be able to complete, lead the offense down the field instead of getting lucky and everything. Instead of you won't have Mike Warren to bail you out out of the backfield. Still have a great backfield, don't yep. get me wrong. But I want to see Ritter step up finally, be the quarterback that – We've and that's why I, I that's why I straight up asked before we started the segment. It's like, is he really still number one on the depth chart? I was curious. I was, and Ben Bryant has was, showed last year that he could play ball too, but 
Yeah, he, so he can Ritter throw it a little bit. Though, yeah. Ritter was hurt quite a bit last year. You know, he had those three true. games yeah. where he just obviously wasn't himself, like the UCF game or USF game. He had about sixty yards of passing, like forty-five on the on a little screen pass. Obviously, had some shoulder issues. So, hopefully, a healthy, yeah. ready to go. Overall, the Bearcats have reported very healthy so far this year. Um, so you've got you've got a like Austin P on noon. Uh, at noon to open the season on ESPN. With, with no fans on ESPN. Like traditionally for me, that means the Bearcats are going to come out slow and sluggish on the noon game. That that generally hap- That generally seems to be how right. it is the past couple of years. You've got to. It's Austin P. You got to roll them. Yeah. You know. Yeah. You you have to you have to do more. And I know there are less conferences. You know, obviously sending people. So there's maybe some chances to squeak through the cracks. But also you got to realize. You know, none of the um, conferences that were allowed to play out-of-conference games, Big 12 or ACC, none of them wanted to play UC. So you don't get that, and you just get your own conference-only schedule, so you don't get any, you know, you don't get any big-time wins. You yeah, know, as, right, you've got to make your own UCF, big-time wins. You yeah, gotta so make you have to dominate, game. go undefeated, and even then, who knows if you have a chance. But at least maybe something to look forward to in a year of, you know, some disappointment in college football, obviously with a bunch of teams not playing. If UC can show out and maybe find their way into one of those playoff spots, it would be huge for them, huge for the program, and at least something for the state to, to look yeah. at. Yeah, it'll just be nice to see football at Nippert Stadium again. Yeah. Yep. Uh, transitioning from schools that are playing to schools that may or may not be playing, of course, uh, Mac right now looking at the spring, so... Those are, you know, six of the eight teams. But the other team in the Big Ten, Ohio State, uh, a lot of back and forth, of course. They had postponed, canceled, you know, gotten rid of their their original um, conference schedule only schedule. But there have been murmurs about the Big Ten coming back maybe, uh, you know, spring, Thanksgiving, even as early as October 10th has come out. So, Zach, what are you hearing about this, and what, what are your thoughts? Do you think the Big Ten uh, plays a season this year? I don't know. You can ask me by the hour, and I'll have a different answer for you. I don't know. This is, uh, you know, give the Pac-12 credit. They've at least been consistent, and they've been, you know, consistently updating everybody. The Big Ten, it's been like this whole – People searching for Atlantis is less of an enigma than what's going on in the Big Ten. I'm just saying, like, what is going on? No one knows. You heard, I don't know, rumors were there was supposed to be a vote Friday. Now there's, like, well, obviously it wasn't a vote. But and then I heard some people but then say some they people never said, even heard of such, such vote. Yeah, right. And then, you know, so there's supposed to be a new vote Friday. Doesn't like that happened. But then there's questions of, well, some people said they did meet and they have been meeting. I don't know. I mean, if they're going to do the August 10th or... Excuse me, not August 10th, October 10th. I mean, you have to think like this week, like something's got to come down now. Yeah, saying, you got to get hey. yourself about a month to get ready. Yeah. Yeah, and I think the month's a bit overstated. I keep telling everybody they could do three weeks. Everybody's going to be on the same footing, is my point. You're not going against, like you said, they're not playing non conference. So if everybody's on the same footing, I don't think the timeline's as big. You at least need three weeks. That's a minimum. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Uh, it's frustrating. I think I would almost just even rather them just someone come out and say, "No, we're not playing October 10th." It's weird that there hasn't been anything. Um, you know, you got Dan Patrick saying that he's in the know. I think a little bit. Who knows? Could be making it up. I don't know. Um, Jim Harbaugh. That was a big news this week. Came out, and told his players, "Hey, I think we're going to play in October. We got to prepare." Well, that's just coach speaker, and I don't think he would say that. He must have some inkling. Something's coming down. There's no point to playing Thanksgiving. Though. If they're not playing, no. if they're not going to start in October, then just screw it. Don't even do it. All right. Gut feeling at this minute, at this moment in time. Do you think the Big Ten plays the season? I do. But that that's purely that's purely just I'm hoping, I'm praying. That's just yeah. all that is. Josh, what about you? I don't think so. That's fair. Ed, because, yeah. because, like I said, for, every, for everything that you just stated, I saw at least someone – whether it be Big Ten media or a coach or a beat writer from a Big Ten school, say, "Well, I, I have no, I've heard no such thing." Right. About said yeah. Thing. Like that's my point. You're like, hearing, yeah. It's so much contradiction. I think it'll be interesting. I don't know because obviously they have to decide soon. But you know, with these other conferences playing, you've seen that the what 
people are doing to watch football. You know, that Austin P Arc- Central Arkansas game, since it was the only game on in town, yeah. did very well with ratings. It'll be interesting to see in the next week or two as games start whether or not, you know, the Big Ten kind of box it you know, wanting to cancel the season because of, you know, other schools playing and, and other schools potentially showing out more because who knows if they did it for the right reasons, but if they didn't and they start seeing other schools, you know, that come is out. something. Yeah, if you've looked at Google News, there's a lot of outbreaks at like Alabama and a lot of other schools. So right. Hindsight could be they might look like the smart ones, even though That's I don't true. think any of it was for that reason. Well We'll see. Yeah, I mean, yeah we'll, we'll see. see. We'll see. Uh, I mean, like two, you said, every day is different. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Uh, two weeks, you know, we'll be talking about Cincinnati's first game, that exciting matchup against Austin P. And hopefully we'll have a little bit more of Ohio college football news to get to. But uh, we'd like to hear your thoughts. Will the Big Ten play this year? And will the Mac have a fun little spring season? Let us know at 30 Rack of Sports on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram as we roll in to our conclusion. All righty. Well, that is our show today. Uh, first off, we want to give a quick shout-out to Columbus Brewing and their Fest beer. Uh, a solid beer, once again, if you're in Columbus, just west of downtown on uh, Harrison is Columbus Brewing Co., so give them a, sh- a shot. Beer's you know, available all over the state, so be sure to give them a try if you haven't, especially this wonderful Fest beer. If you're getting into the Oktoberfest mood, which we always are here on 30 Rack of Sports, also, shout out to the sports coming back. As we mentioned, college football is back to some degree. Baseball starting to get into that end of season push with teams having, you know, 20, just 20 something games left. And the NFL starts on Sunday. So be ready. Things are about to ratchet up again on 30 Rack as we continue into Oktoberfest and into the NFL season. For Zach with the opinions, for Josh on the ones and twos. I'm Greg. Thank you so much for listening. Till next week. Peace.